Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. This is Peter Dorian from Oak Beach in far north Queensland, Australia, welcoming you to the very fabulous Tennis Podcast. Well, thank you, Peter. What a perfect day to have you as our intro for the Tennis Podcast. Peter is a friend of the Tennis Podcast at the intro level. If you'd like to introduce your show, you can do exactly that by becoming a friend at that level. And yes, from lovely Queensland in Australia on a day that Australia have had the most wonderful day, reaching the final of the Billie Jean King Cup finals by Gainbridge. And here Matt and I are late into the evening on Saturday. And it's been another thoroughly uplifting day, I think, in, in terms of competition and, and storylines and and all the things that you want from an event like this. I mean, look, there's some very sad people today upset at the, the fact that Great Britain didn't win, for instance, because they came so close. Um, disappointment also for the Czech Republic, beaten by Switzerland, but my overriding feeling is that there were worthy winners there in Australia and Switzerland and both teams that have had such disappointment in this competition at the final hurdle the last couple of times that they've that they've played it or at least two runners up in a row. Now one of them is going to get crowned. One of them is going to get disappointed again. It's the, the beauty of sport, I suppose, isn't it? And um, who better to be speaking to about the beauty of sports than one of the all-time greats and an icon of the sport and the woman whose name is on the trophy, Billie Jean King. That's who Matt's been speaking to today. It's amazing. And I've listened to the interview, folks. I've listened to all 15 minutes of it. I loved every minute of it. And you're going to get to hear it uh, uh, towards the end of this tennis podcast. Matt, the person that got to speak to Billie Jean King. How are you? Very well, thank you, David. Yes, it's been it's been quite a day. Both uh, an extremely emotional uh, tie this morning, which obviously le- led into the afternoon between Britain and Australia, and then about fifteen minutes I had between that and going to speak to Billie Jean King. So a, a sort of day that I can't really get my head around, to be honest. Uh, but a very very fun one, and I'm feeling very lucky that I got to do all those things today. Well, Australia against Great Britain, let's start there. It was, I mean, we were talking about what an early start it was last night, but it did not take long to to get thumping with an atmosphere, did it? And and we got 
the the end result that I kind of expected in terms of it all, that we all expected in terms of it going to the decider, I mean, I don't think even we thought that it could get quite as dramatic as it ended up doing in the doubles. We thought it would go to the doubles, but it went there in a route that that I certainly was not expecting. I was not expecting Heather Watson to lose to Storm Sanders. When we recorded last night, I have to say I did a pretty quick about face when I finished the recording because I was it was as though I'd forgotten how good Sanders had been and how good she seems to be in this competition and all the other evidence I've got of Heather Watson playing her best stuff when she's kind of not really expected to and when she is expected to, maybe struggling a little bit. Um, and then I certainly didn't expect Harriet Dart to then equalise things by beating Isla Tomljanovic, who looks like the class act in on paper in the singles. So... It got to where you wanted it to be, but Matt, that was not my expectation as how we would get there. I completely agree. I was not that surprised by the overall result, and I wasn't that surprised by the fact that the doubles was really close. I didn't think there would be that much between the two teams. But I think we said yesterday that it felt like an absolute must win for Heather Watson because we all expected Isla Tomjanovic to beat Harriet Dart. So that to me is the biggest surprise, Harriet Dart beating Tomjanovic. Uh, but just to just to start with the first match, Storm Sanders is so easy to overlook, I think, because we don't really know how good she is. And this has been a real theme of her week in that everyone around her, Alicia Mollick, Isla Tomjanovic, are all saying that next year, they really want her to focus on her singles because they really think she can get her ranking up. She's currently stuck in that slightly awkward spot, which we've we've talked about with some players on the on the podcast before, where their doubles ranking is really high, but their singles ranking is low. I mean, she's outside the top two hundred in singles, and therefore she's playing diff- really? she's playing different events, or she's having to play different events because you know she can't get in to the singles draw in the doubles event she wants to play. So therefore, she's having to sort of focus on doubles. And I think I get the sense, and this is not something she's said, but it's just my observation that playing doubles has been a real comfort zone for her. You know, she's someone who pretty much felt like she wouldn't have a singles career a few years ago when she was injured. And I think... Doubles has given her that. Doubles has allowed her to have a tennis career and experience great things. She won the mixed doubles at the US Open this year. And I think now is probably the time for her to maybe slightly let go of that and try and kick on and in singles because she's shown all week and last year in this, in this competition as well that her level in singles when she plays well is definitely top 100 level for sure, probably even higher than that. I think everyone just wants to see her have a go. Now, of course, it's the it's the classic thing of how do you take what you're experiencing in this competition, which is so different to life on tour, and transfer it to life on tour. You know, there's you could do a whole thesis on that and and what the challenges are and players who've managed it and players who haven't. And I think Sanders is going to be one who, who let's see, let's see if she takes the plunge and really tries to improve that singles ranking next year because her game's great. And she was so poised on the court today, I thought, against Heather Watson. Right from the start, she, she broke quite early, kept that lead, 
had a little bit of treatment after the first set, which hindered her a bit in the second set. But really, I felt like she was the better player uh, and very much, very much a worthy winner. And, and she really saved her best, best tennis for the uh, tiebreak as well, right in the second set. Just, just so many winners, and uh, I was, I was really Im- impressed with her today. She was the star of the show for Australia, having to win uh, both points, of course. Yes, of course, because she was part of the doubles rubber as well. And if I think back a year. Matt, she put some good performances in in the Billie Jean King Cup when you were there in Prague. And I, I was curious what what has happened since then. And, and is is this just, you've kind of explained it to me in a different way to what I expected in, in as much as you've put um, some importance in the fact that just logistically, if you're a top doubles player, but not a top singles player, and you can't play them both at the same event, you are in a a bit of a wilderness there. Mm. It's a really difficult position to be in and you've got to kind of choose. And I remember us talking to Luke Saville when we were talking about how, about junior Wimbledon champions who'd, who'd either made it or struggled to make it. And that, that show's available for Friends of the Tennis podcast right now if you want to want to have a listen. Um, but he, he was, he eventually gave up singles and concentrated on doubles and he's made a good go of it. But, you know, sounds very much as though she's got a lot more in her in terms of ability and potential, according to Alicia Mollick, whose whose opinion I would trust on that subject. Um, but I do wonder what, what's happened the last year and, and, and actually is that element of producing this sort of tennis that she can produce in a team competition, can she can she get that onto a singles court week in, week out and at the major tournaments and build that ranking? Because it is fascinating. You're right. I mean, there's there's a great study to be done there. And um, But I do love watching a player. That's that's what makes this, this event special as well, is the way it elevates people. And I think we'll probably have the same conversation about Harriet Dart. I mean, because she has played pretty much the best tennis of her life this week in terms of doing it one match after the other and then you know I think next season we'll be wondering can she carry that forward onto the tour Um, and I think for Dart it seems to me that playing Rybakina and Badosa and Tomjanovic back to back to back has really helped her she's just got used to that level quite quickly I think and you know on, on tour the challenge for her will be winning matches that she's favoured to win. You know, she was favoured to win none of these, really, because it's quite an unexpected position that she finds herself in as the number one player for Britain, because obviously Emma Raducanu is is not here. Um, but I think, yeah, just having those matches consecutively against top players, it's almost like she's sort of assumed their level and is starting to play like a top player herself. She's I've always found with Harriet Dart, I don't really feel like I know her. I don't really have a grasp of what makes her tick that that well. I don't really feel like I understand her game all that well either. But this is by far the best I've I've seen her play. I feel like she's been more aggressive. She's been stepping in and there's been real intensity to her as well. And I think that that bounces off well with the team, which is another element that maybe she won't have on tour. So it's going to be absolutely fascinating to track the progress of of both Sanders and I think uh, Dart next year on tour, week in, week out. 
Mm. Catherine actually suggested to us that uh, Harriet Dart might be a contender for the intensity list working title, uh, <laughs> which uh, Catherine has uh, has begun in recent weeks, which is quite a statement. And but I mean, I think I, I get the point. You know, here's a player who's just who brings it. She's relentless. Her mm. game is about relentlessness. And uh, she said after winning against Ila Tomljanovic on court. When I've got GB on my back, those were the words she used. I feel like a kind of a different player and I've got goosebumps coming out here. And I love that. I love somebody who just grows a couple of inches when they, they're in that sort of spotlight with everybody relying on them. You know, I, I always hope that if I, or wish that if I was in a position like that, I would be better uh, when everybody's relying on me. You know, there's a, that's a, it's a, a great responsibility, isn't it? Now, I don't have to worry about that at the uh, the local tennis club here in Solihull, but, uh, you know, um, very, very impressive win for her uh, over a player who I really just, I thought would have her for way quite comfortably, really, in Tom Lianovic. So that set up this final rubber, which just went to the brink and you've still got these pretty much novice players at this level in Olivia Nichols and Alicia Barnett who had had saved Britain in that first day really by winning that that effectively dead rubber for the for the tie that they were playing they were 2-0 down already against Kazakhstan but that was the the result that gave them a chance on in their second group match, which they ended up winning 3-0. And, and again, Nichols and Barnett coming through and winning that doubles. Here, they go up against Sanders, who we know is just a fantastic big match player in this environment and he's playing really well. And somebody who, honestly, had had retired from the sport or had announced that this is her last year. And in Sam Stosa, who's won the US Open more than 10 years ago in singles, but has had fantastic doubles results as well. I mean, she was a former world number one doubles player before she was ever a really serious singles competitor uh, at the very top level. Um, what a battle. What a tug of war. What an atmosphere, Matt. It was extraordinary. And I actually think both teams, as you've laid out there, had on the court kind of the perfect pair for what they needed in that scenario because Barnett and Nichols just fed off the energy in the crowd, which had been generated by Harriet Dart winning and giving everyone belief and getting everyone excited. I mean, the way they celebrate points is extraordinary. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, they're throwing their arms up in the air after, you know, a forehand winner to get them to 15 all at one love in the first set. And I, I sort of think on a lot of people, I would find that annoying, I think. But I, I don't. I've, it's been quite infectious and really has added a lot to this event and this competition and this British team, I think. They've, they've energised everyone, this pair. And then on the other hand, you had Sam Stozer and Storm Sanders, who were both very level-headed and quite quiet with their demeanour on court. And I think actually that level-headedness and that calmness was quite a good quality to have with the sort of frenzy going on around them. And they just sort of knuckled down and played their game and just took, took, they didn't take the sting out of it, but they didn't let Nichols and Barnett get way ahead, which they maybe could have done sort of riding the wave of of Harriet Dart. Um, 
I think Sam Stozer was very tight the whole match. I didn't think she played particularly well. There were a lot of a lot of missed forehands, some uh, some missed volleys. I actually felt like Barnett and Nichols maybe should have targeted her a little bit more. I think Sanders was the one who was really really playing well. Um, but then it just it just developed into an absolute epic. I mean, I, I really don't like sudden death deuce, but there were a lot of important sudden death deuce points. And the fact that it was sudden death deuce meant it was, you know, moving along at quite a pace. And we we found ourselves in three really dramatic tie breaks, didn't we? And it it was so exciting. I I, I really didn't know who was going to win right down to the final ball, which is such a good feeling to have as a spectator you know you're hanging on you're hanging on every point uh there was quite a controversial footfall called at, at six all in the in the match tie break um on olivia nichols it's tough because you can't see a replay for that and there hadn't been one called the whole match i think they were i think they were a bit annoyed about that um and that did seem to switch the momentum because uh, I don't think they won another point after that, the Brits. But it was it was a fabulous doubles match. Uh, Barnett and Nichols have been a breath of fresh air in this tournament. They're talking about wanting to reach the top eight in the race next year and qualify for the WTA finals. They they think that's possible. That's their ambition. And I'm I'm excited to see them on the tour as well. But fair play to Australia. They they did it in a really really hard way. But uh, they've they've been one of the best teams in this in this competition, and absolutely, I think they they really deserve their place in the final. As do Switzerland, and Switzerland and Australia, it have felt all the way through this event. They have felt like the standout teams. Now, I think that's a, a great credit to Great Britain for mm. getting as as close to Australia as they ended up getting. But Switzerland against Czech Republic. Well, it was four sets to zero. And I think on on paper and with the pedigree of Czech Republic, that comes across as a surprise. But at the same time, Switzerland have just had that look in their eye all the way through. All their players, Heinz Guntart, their their captain, the, the camaraderie between the players, they seem really close and they seem utterly absorbed in trying to put right in their minds what happened last year. Um, they seem to love each other's company and they seem to be just awesome players. I mean, again, Victoria Golubic is the player who won the first rubber 6-4, 6-4 against Karolina Mukova, who again is a, a, a higher ranked player in terms of pedigree. Uh, she's the one who's had the runs at Grand Slams and beat Nash Barty and all that sort of thing. Golubic is a, a lovely player to watch, but, you know, I would say she looks a better player here than I've ever seen her look anywhere else. Uh, she seems to be like Sanders, who's just been inspired by, by being in this company. Belinda Bencic, the same, although obviously we know how good she is. She just looks an incredible player in this competition. Um, she was really pushed in the second set against uh, Karen Pliskova, 6-2, 7-6. It was properly close and nervy at the end there. Came down to very, very fine margins. But I always thought Bencic would win. But I am really confused and perplexed by that team selection from the Czech Republic. Petra Pala is has been there a long, long time. He knows his team. But the way we saw Marketa Vondrosheva perform yesterday to absolutely thrash Daniel Collins and then Kat- Katarina Siniakova come out and do the same to Coco Golf. 
and them to just not get picked for this tie. Now, I realise that that might sound very wise after the event, but I I didn't expect this team selection because, I mean, Pliskov got beaten handily a couple of days ago. Um, it's, I don't get it, really, Matt. It was the shock of the day for me when I had the WhatsApp message come through on the on the media group here to announce the nominations for that tie and that Marketa Vondrosheva wasn't named as one of the two singles players for Czech Republic. I was astounded. I felt like she was first name on the team sheet after the way she played yesterday and the form she's been in generally in the last couple of weeks. Okay, ITF event in Shrewsbury, lower level, but just confidence, winning matches. And so everyone was a bit confused, really. So we we spoke to some Czech journalists and, and their impression was that Vondrosheva isn't quite 100% yet. You know, she's not quite fully back, fully ready. And therefore, maybe the recovery time from yesterday, she might have still felt it a little bit today. And also, apparently, she's also got her eye on playing some WTA 125 events next week because she wants to get her ranking back up. And she doesn't want to have to play too many matches at the moment because she's sort of thinking long-term as well. I mean, I would argue this is a much bigger match generally than those. Okay, rankings are important. They're, They're currency for tennis players, aren't they? Ranking points. But this was a massive, massive occasion. And Vondrosheva has been playing so well. And I just think the most, the most likely scenario for the Czechs was that they needed to win that number two singles because Bencic has been so good. And then they've got options in the doubles. They've got Siniakova, world-class doubles player. Could they win it there? So I was, I was not totally convinced by this explanation. Um, I'm, I'm sure that their sources are good and that is perhaps some of the thinking behind it. It just, it just doesn't seem like the right decision to me, um, either for Vondrosheva or for the Czech team, um, because I felt like the way she played yesterday, Vondrosheva probably would have won even as good as Golubic is and as good as Golubic was. So I'm very, very confused by that. And then I was also a bit confused by Pliskova playing because she was really not good the other night. And as you said, Siniakova was against Goff. Pliskova did beat Bengtschik at the US Open this year. So perhaps uh, there was a matchup that they liked there and good feelings perhaps going into that match. But I think we saw the difference between Bengtschik as a US Open player and, and Bengtschik as a Billie Jean King Cup player, as you said. She was... She was awesome today. Okay, she she had to fight back in the second set, but she did. And even with a lot of strapping on her leg, which wasn't there yesterday, that's that's maybe something to monitor in tomorrow's final. She got the job done, as she so often does for Switzerland. And yeah, so brilliant team selection from Heinz Gunthardt. Again, he went with Goljevic. He could have gone with Teichmann. Goljevic got it done and slightly... Slightly confusing team selection on the Czech side. He gave a very good preview of the final, I thought, Heinz Guntart in his on-court interview. He's a very good speaker. He he breaks situations down very well to make them understandable for, for us and, and onlookers, I think. He's a good communicator. Um, and he, he, he was asked, well, what, what do you think the difference going to be tomorrow in terms of who wins this? And he goes, look, they can all hit the ball. It's... 
he said it's all about who seizes the moment on the day. And he says, none of us really know what what the secret to that is. <laughs> he made it very clear that you, you can't necessarily put your finger on how you do that. Because I, mean, I guess if you did, you'd just do it or you'd, you'd find somebody who could tell you. But he, he was clear you know it's just you've just got to be in every point and you've got to go for it and uh i think he's he's obsessed with winning this thing for with this team and they all are and and i I get the same vibe from australia with alicia mollick because she was there as the captain in 2019 when uh when they were at home and they were up against france and it was just so emotional and I kind of want them both to win because I <laughs> I I feel they both deserve a win and uh, and obviously that can't happen. What is your feeling, Matt, about who will win? Well, as you say, all I know for certain is that the losing team is going to be absolutely devastated if they lose because this this means a lot to both teams because of the of the recent near misses that they've both had, as you've described. My feeling is that Switzerland will win. They met last year in the competition in the semi-finals, and the lineups were Sanders and Tomjanovic and Teichmann and Bencic. And the Swiss team won very easily. Teichmann thrashed Sanders, actually. That was the only match that Sanders didn't win in singles last year. And then Bencic took care of, of Tomjanovic in in straight sets. I think they'll probably get it done in the singles, Switzerland. Again, I'm underrating Storm Sanders, and I, and I realize. Do you, do you think they'll bring Teichmann in? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Given given that head to head, given that Heinz Gunthardt has been very uh, clear that his his chopping and changing of Teichmann and Goljevic is nothing to do with their level. He thinks it's kind of a match up thing and a feeling thing. Now, there's evidence there that that Teichmann matched up well with Sanders last year. But Golubic has got him two really big wins, you know, beating Andrescu and uh, the win again today against Mukova. She, she's been more convincing this tournament than Teichmann was, who, who really struggled but, 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 but came through in, in the first match. But yeah, maybe, maybe he will go with Teichmann because of what happened last year. Um, and then Benchik's Tomjanovic, it's tough match to call but I can't really see Benchik losing at the moment she's just no. playing so well and Tomjanovic didn't quite have her best tennis today uh, maybe she's had a long year she has course. she has and I actually felt like she would handle today's match a bit better you know she was the person that ended Serena Williams's career in that frenzied atmosphere on the Arthur Ashe Stadium I've never, I've never heard anywhere so loud in my life and she was brilliant. And I think today in that second set, she slightly checked out in that in that final game against Dart. There wasn't there wasn't quite the resilience from her that I was expecting that we've seen this week. So maybe there is a little bit of fatigue there as well. I don't know. But yeah, this is a very long, very long answer. But essentially I think I'm saying Switzerland in the singles. I'm saying Switzerland because I've been saying Switzerland since day one. <laughs> Are you going to paint your nails red, David? Like uh, Heinz Gunthardt and the Swiss team, they have a they have a little uh, tradition there that after each match they win, they they all paint their nails. I feel like if the Swiss get you some points, I want to see red <laughs> red fingernails. <laughs> 
I'm glad you've explained that, Matt, because I, I did catch a glimpse of that for the first time today on <laughs> Heinz Guntar just after his post-match interview. And I was wondering, you know, is there a, is there a reason specifically for this uh, or is it just his new, new look? Um, but anyway, no, I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd look good, David. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Well, all right, I'll think about it. Um, Content. <laughs> yeah okay yeah well there is that there is that i think it's high time we heard matt in conversation with the great billy jean king here they are well i'm thrilled to say for the second year in a row welcome to the tennis podcast billy jean king how are you it's great matt how are you very well you thank good you. Very say well. hi to david and uh, Catherine. I will, always. This is becoming an annual tradition. We, we spoke last year in Prague. I think it's a good Glasgow. idea. Yeah. How have you found your time in Scotland so far? Welcome to the UK. Thank you. It's been fantastic. I haven't stopped. I've hardly got to see any tennis because we have so many uh, media things to do and just uh, meetings and just thinking about next year as well, how much we can make it bigger and better and all those things. But no, I've had a great time and you can see my... My scarf, my turn. And, you know, <laughs> Moffat is my yes. birth name. And there's a Moffat in Scotland that's south of here. And I haven't seen that. I have, I've hardly seen anything, but it's been great. And friends are here and family. So, And does it feel bigger and better to you than last year already? I think last year we're really lucky to even have it. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Czech Republic and Prague. Uh, so... I was very grateful to them to even have it. And this year, I think it's, it's fantastic. Uh, the arena, Emirates Arena, is really nice. I like it a lot. It's a good size for tennis. Um, and every time Great Britain's playing, the people have really shown up, which is wonderful. Um, so, And the players have been great. I've been able to meet almost every single team, I think except one. Italy left <laughs> before I could get to them. Uh, but that's always a joy to meet every team and the support team and, and the captain. You know, so it's really wonderful just to touch base with them and see how they're doing. I always ask them, how can we make it better for tennis? And I, you know, I'm always bugging them. <laughs> they're really good. And I love it. And, of course, it's a team event, so I love team over individual. What is it you love so much about team events to me watching it feels like everything is more dramatic more intense much more dramatic much more tense um that women's doubles with great britain and australia i mean seriously i mean i think great britain had a set point in the first set lost it had a set point in the second set won it they were up they were ahead in the tie break and lost it to australia who came through big just at the end um so i mean it was tense, and I love it. I love the tension, the drama, and I love the fact that you're playing for something much bigger than yourself. I mean, first your country, but your teammates as well, and your captain and the and the support people, the coaches, you know, the physiotherapists. The, I mean, it's, everybody counts. The stringer, I mean, hmm. there's some really well, – there's one stringer. He's just, it's hilarious what team was he, but he was telling jokes, and no, they're, they're fantastic. It just shows you – how it takes a village, you know, a, a team to have it all work. Um, in the old days, we didn't have these privileges. So uh, that's a big, big improvement, especially for their health, to stay healthy so they, they can play and make a living mm. and entertain. 
mean, we are entertainers. I think sometimes people forget that. <laughs> well, the athletes forget sometimes. At least that they maybe that's not their perception. Mm-hmm. But I think our job is to make the fans really, really happy. I think the players have. To, I always think it's important to think that we're there for the people, not the people come to see us. Mm-hmm. And I think it always goes better if you think that way. You know, you leave your guts on the court. You know, it's really the World Cup, and I think people. I don't know. I don't think they're real clear on that. The audience, you know, the people out there. It's this is the World Cup, just like in football. Or if somebody's listening to in America or other countries that call it soccer, this is exactly the equivalent of that. And at the beginning of the year, we started out with 118 countries. And of course, now we're down to two. So, or will be by tomorrow. And I think it's pretty awesome that we can have that many countries participate. And of course, we want to get bigger and more than 118 because there's actually, I think, over 200 countries in this in this world and we would like as many as possible playing and it's really important that women continue to have more opportunities so uh anyway this has been really great and everybody in scotland's been good something we've been talking about a lot on the podcast is the tennis calendar and how close the events are to each other Mm -hmm. and we had the wta finals just a couple of weeks ago and then players had to to come over here and one of the players who made the effort was Coco Goff and I just wondered how you feel about that because it, it, it felt to me like she was really going out of her way in the way that the players of your generation did to to be there to participate and I feel like that would be something that you would really admire. In I her. did admire it and I admired all the players that came from Fort Worth and the WTA finals. Uh, first of all the WTA made the schedule, and they added Monday, and I'm sure that's the only time they could get the arena, but they didn't call anybody. They just did it. So we, we this term, this event had to adjust to that. Did they, no one liked it because it, we thought it would be tough. A lot of players maybe not come. I mean, Egan didn't come, uh, but I, th- I was hoping she'd at least wait, you know, and see how it went for her. But, I, you know, I, I can't be in their shoes, but I was always big on showing up even if I was over overly tired, our generation was always tired. Though every we played so many tournaments, you know. Um, so, but the players are much better today. The depth is much better. So from the very first round on, uh, tennis is much tougher. It's not even close to what we experienced. But we didn't have the advantages either, or make the money. So everything has its pluses and minuses. But I would rather have it like it is today and have to deal. But I know it's you know there's seven. Basically, factions are, are silos in tennis. That You know, there's four majors, and you've got the nine 1000s, and you've got the WTA and the ATP deciding on all this. It would be good um, if we could figure out the calendar better, but this has always been a challenge. Uh, but I like having it near the end of the year for some, you know, I, I think everyone wants November to be the team month maybe, mm-hmm. which would be helpful because I think, I think it's really important that we have a team season. Yes. Like, when is it? And then every the fans, everything is about the fans. Whatever, make it clear for them, make it easy for them. Uh, so I, I really wish we'd find a way. But it's really rough when they when they kept that Monday for the WTA finals. A lot of players were. I really admire Mertens came. Yep. She was still doing media at eight p.m. in Fort Worth. Had a ten o'clock plane. I mean, she, she was she was laughing and talking to me about that, and I was like, 
wow. And she says, no, but I really wanted to get here and play. And when it's for your country, it's just, for me anyway, it's different. It's not the same. It's not just yourself coming. Are you hopeful for that future where we figure out the calendar? I'm always hopeful, sure. But what do you think the right thing is to do? You know, everyone wants something. And then they always want prime time or whatever they think it is. Uh, I don't know. And just on Coco Goff as well, we've been talking a lot about her forehand. She seems to have some issues on that shot at the moment. I'm just wondering, for you, how do you fix technique? I know that you're very big on technique being really important. Is it, is, is it hard this to is fix difficult it? Because Miss, uh, Mr. Goff is her coach. I think you have to go through him. I know what I would say, but he's the coach, and I've waited four years not to say things about it, but I really like her. Hmm. I want her to be number one. I think uh, if you ever heard her speech when she was 16 in Delray or Boca or wherever she was on social justice, when I heard that, I'm like, oh, my gosh. She's perfect. Great athlete, can speak. You know, and she really cares very, you know, just wonderful. And so I, it hurts me a little bit to keep watching and want to correct some things. But uh, her forehand, I don't, I'm not sure if she understands the contact point. And that's first and foremost. Uh, and then on her serve, she can only slice. And I think I would really work on that with her and understand pronation and all those things. So she's really smart. I mean. Some players do things by feel. Other players are more analytic. They have to hear it. Like an engineer usually has to hear a lot of discussions and technicalities. Other people are just the kind of what, how, the, how they feel. They feel the ball. They feel whatever. And it's very different how you speak with somebody. And I don't know Coco well enough how I would even speak to her. I'd ask her questions, though. I, I teach by – I coach and teach by asking questions. Mm-hmm. Like I ask players why they won when they come off the court. Coaches never ask. I never hear that. They might ask, what do you think happened? You lost. But I ask, when I'm coaching, I go, why did you win? And you'd be very surprised that players cannot tell me why they won. You can just see them, their eyes kind of go, whoa. You know, and they, they go, well, let me think. And they think back, and they're going, why did I win? Why did I win? Because I think it's really important to stay positive. So I like to do that. But with Coco, there's two major things. But maybe she already knows this. See, I don't know. I would ask her, can you explain your contact point on your forehand? Do you understand where you think you should have it on your serve? I'd like to hear what her thoughts are. I don't know anything. But those are the two areas I would talk to her about. And then I'd even, you know, even with the volleys, she can, she's so young. But, you know, how people say, oh, she has plenty of time. Well, there comes a time when you don't have plenty of time. <laughs> so you need to keep working on these things. Until the time does come, and you got to work really hard and have clarity. And I don't know if she knows any of that, so I don't know. What do you, What do you think on that? I just find it so interesting whether you can change technique. You know, they're constantly playing matches; they're constantly traveling. How you, much? Sometimes time you can is take, there? On, but sometimes you just, just take some time off. And, but you've got to work. You got to work really hard. And during during uh, these matches, if you understand what you're trying to do. You've got to be willing for short-term losses for mm-hmm. long-term gains. And a lot of people, are everything's short-term now. But if you really want to be great, 
I think you have to keep building. And even if you lose um, some, you'll eventually click in and you'll be better than you were before. So sometimes you have to take losses. And I know that you always say you have to work on your strengths as well. Yes, and Coco every day. Golf has got a lot of those. And, oh, man. Um, How about her speed? How about her overhead? She's not. She's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't want to focus too much on the negatives. It's just something we've been no, I think talking about on all the these podcast. things. Are, but I don't know her well yeah. enough. I met her at the 16 and 18 and under nationals in San Diego. Her parents were there. They're really sweet. But I don't know her. I don't know the family. So I, what I say doesn't count because I don't have any idea. <laughs> I think it does. Um, just one last thing on this event. There's a really um, brilliant addition this year, which is the Tory Burch jackets, which are going to be oh, it's great. presented to the winners. Can you tell us about yeah, that? Yeah, I can tell you. Um, Ilana and I had been talking for a while, and then we watched the Masters sometimes, and we thought, you know, it would be really great, because I keep saying to Ilana, let's make this event special. And so we thought, well, what, why not a jacket? But only to the, the team that wins. Mm-hmm. So we've known Tori for quite a while, and she loves tennis. She plays tennis. So we said, would you be interested? She says, yeah, I'll do it now. I mean, what do you want? This sounds great. Because she, she understands, you know, that she knows some of the players and all that. So she came up with this design. This is absolutely beautiful. And anyone who's seen it, they all go, can I get one? And I go, no, I can't have one either. I, I'm not, unless you win, you cannot have it. We are going to be really strict on that. Maybe I'll, we'll talk to Tori about maybe we should make something that's not quite the same or the Excel, but also inside, we talked, uh, there's something that I say to the players in there. It's inside the, the label. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. So I don't have it with me. I'd read it, um, but it's beautiful. Tori and I decided what to say with help from a lot of sources probably, but I'm trying to think back, but uh, that's what makes it special too. It's uh, the inside part. I can't wait to see the reaction. Fo- of have the you players. seen photos at all? I've seen photos of the jackets and the Billy Blue color. That wow. was a color you used to like wearing. Well, somebody came up with it, Marjorie or somebody at the office. Yeah, I love blue and lavenders. I love purples, blues. Mm-hmm. Those are my favorite colors because I have no coloring, so I need a lot of coloring <laughs> around my face for energy. So um, no, it's just beautiful because. When Tori started thinking about it, she thought about French blue. Look, look at this French door, and she's in photos. So we, it was a long. It was it went quickly, but it was truly a process that we, you know, we spent time and effort and thought. And you really want to make it special, like you know, would they really like it or not? Because they have their own endorsements. So you want to make sure there's no big Tory Birch all over it and all that. So it's really beautiful. Yeah, I think it's going to become an amazing, amazing tradition at this event. Yeah, I hope so. I really think so. Billie Jean King, thank you so much. Thanks, for Matt. on the Tennis Podcast again. That's great. Anyway, say hi to everybody. I hope everyone's listening. I hope all the mascots are happy, happy. <laughs> I hope Billie Jean's happy. Um, she is. Catherine's she is. Billie Jean, but Ilana's and mine as well. I love listening to the Tennis Podcast. You guys are hilarious, but you're knowledgeable. And you're true fans. You know, that's what I love. You really love it. We do. We have to, to do 120 podcasts. <laughs> yes, <year>. exactly. <laughs> I know. It's a few years now, though. You're over 1,000. We are. I yeah. know. I look every time now. I go, wow, 1,000, 1,200 and whatever it is. <laughs> I think you're in the low. Low thousands. Low thousands, yeah. yeah. Here's to many more. Yeah. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Wow. Wow, Matt. (laughs) You got to speak to Billie Jean King and it was just the best chat. I loved listening to that. Um... So interesting, wasn't it? And so interesting to hear her views on Coco Golf and and the, the thirst, the hunger she has for this event to keep growing. Something that struck me, you know, the times we've had a chance to spend time with her at Wimbledon the last couple of years is she's in such a rush to just make the most of every day, to make make a difference every day. And it's inspiring. Um, but... I mean, I think you know we'll we'll review this tournament in more detail tomorrow in our final show uh, from the Billie Jean King Cup finals. But you can tell that they're not that she's not satisfied. She's 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 pumped up by it all. Um, there are some lovely touches coming through. The jackets thing, I think, is a great idea. But I think I think she's only scratching the surface of where she wants this to be in the future. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's such a good way of describing Billie Jean King as well as in a rush. And she wants to make the most of, as you said, every day, make a difference. She's very aware of her legacy. And that that just all comes through. And I think this event is so important to her. Um, it already was, but, you know, now, especially that it's, that it's got her name on it. Um, one thing she said just after we'd finished recording 
actually, we had a few topics of conversation after we finished recording. One of them was uh, about the Buffalo Bills, as I'm, I'm wearing my Buffalo Bills hoodie. She, uh, she admitted to really liking them, uh, even though she uh, is, is, is from L.A. And, and likes the Rams. She's also got a soft spot for the Bills, who are, who are what's she, having what's a great What's she thinking of the Seahawks? Year. Seahawks didn't come up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next time. But the other thing she wanted to stress was just that that message that she gave in the chat about this event being called the World Cup. She thinks that's really important because she's very big on trying to simplify the sport and make it easy for people to follow and understand. And if you call it the World Cup, People kind of immediately know what that means. You know, the best nations in the world competing against each other. And the other thing that she wants the event to be known more for is that playing this event is the way that you can qualify for the Olympics and get into the Olympics because everyone knows the Olympics. And she said that that became clear in her mind when um, she heard the story of Zena, of Zena Garrison talking to some kids about her career, and they weren't really that engaged. They didn't really know what she was talking about. And then she said, I won a gold medal. And suddenly the kids were like, wow, gold medal. Can you show us? Have you got it? All of that. They were suddenly really, really engaged. And it it just made her realize, yeah, World Cup, Olympics, that's what people know. And that's what this event can be all about. So I think, as you said, we'll do a proper sort of review of, of the event maybe tomorrow. But there are some signs, I think, that this that this edition has been better than the last. I think there's still a very, very long way to go to make it what we all hope it can be and what it should be. Um, but I think that messaging is is really, really important in trying to sell what it is and what it's about. Okay, well, another fantastic uh, couple of matches, a wonderful listen with Billie Jean King. Um, and meanwhile... In Italy, Brandon Nakashima has won the next-gen finals, so congratulations to him. Tomorrow, the ATP finals starts in Turin. Matt, it's, it's all happening. Catherine's been speaking to the doubles players this morning. I know. It's, it's extraordinary to think that a massive, you know, another massive big tennis event is, is starting tomorrow. Um, and I'm interested in Brandon Nakashima next year because the winners of the next gen finals have all gone on to, you know, rise in the rankings and go deep in Grand Slams. Okay, Hyung Chung has had his career really decimated by injury, but just after he won the next gen, he he did he did sort of build on it and reached the Australian Open yeah. semi-final. Sinner, Alcaraz, Sitsipas, they've all done it. Um, it feels like Nakashima has been around. A little while already feels like he's he's doing the next gen finals quite late he seems like he's a little mm-hmm. bit behind some of those players maybe in in the development but it's a big big box ticked and i'm i'm intrigued by him next season as well i i, I was thinking today there's a there was a scenario this year that wasn't that far from coming off that he was maybe even a, a wimbledon finalist because he lost in five sets to kyrgios he was up in that match if he'd finished that off he would have faced Christian Garin in the quarters, winnable match. And then Nadal, as we know, wasn't able to play the semifinals. Like he was, wow. he was maybe not that far away from a really big breakthrough. Um, we love his backhand and I think he's got a good temperament. I just want to see whether he can really kick on next year. It's going to be interesting. 
that's that has really whetted my appetite matt because i, I hadn't considered any of those points before this conversation. That's why we have Matt Roberts on, folks. I hadn't realised he was that close to the Wimbledon final. I didn't even know he got a good backhand, to be quite honest. And now apparently he's nearly backhand list worthy. Um, and plus, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a good point. I mean, I, I very much expected Jack Draper to win this next-gen finals and, and make his step. But it was a cracking match last night. And fair play to Nakashima. He wrestled that off him. And yeah, this could be the stepping stone. So it will be really, really interesting. Um, our mascot for today is Luna, owned by Holmes Finch. And Luna is a huge fan of American tennis. So big Brandon Nakashima <laughs> buzz that uh, Luna has got, which perhaps explains why Luna appears to be on her back celebrating victory like Rafael Nadal <laughs> at the French Open. Uh, she's got a toy in her mouth. But um, anyway... Her favourite player is Serena, obviously retired now. So Luna follows Brandon Nakashima, Francis Tiafo, and Coco Goff with great interest, uh, Holmes tells us. Uh, when not watching tennis, she likes to take long walks with her humans. What better thing to do? Well, I am going to send a picture of Luna immediately to Catherine because uh, although Catherine is asleep, I dare say that will wake her up. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and uh, and for once, when I wake her up, I won't get told off because it'll be a photo of Luna. So all good. Matt, you better go and get this last bus out of Glasgow <laughs> uh, because uh, otherwise you're going to be sitting in that interview room that you're doing this podcast in for the next 12 hours. Um, and it's it's a really cold room and it smells of fish. Very odd. Oh, that's not a combo you want, is it? No. <laughs> But okay. it is but well, it is good for recording the podcast because it's soundproof. <laughs> yeah, good. Excellent. Well, look, we'll be back with shout outs tomorrow because uh, you know, Matt's gotta <laughs> get out of there. Uh so our mascots are for the year, Darwin for me. Tell you what, Darwin, we're one we're one match away. We're one match away from points for the second week running. So we're gonna do a clean sweep of all the finals, the WTA finals, the ATP finals next week. We're gonna win that. And then there'll be Davis Cup finals. It's on. You're doing a West Brom, David. It's like you've got a new manager making your picks for you. Correct. Mm. Um, it's like I've drafted in Flying up the table. Gino Smith to, to make my picks for me. And suddenly we're winning four in a row, the Seahawks. <laughs> anyway, uh, Catherine's got Carter. Matt's got uh, the dearly departed Gerald. Billie Jean King is sponsoring Billie Jean the dog, along with Alana Kloss. And uh, Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner are our executive producers. That's all for tonight, folks. It's been lovely to chat about these, these wonderful matches and to listen to Matt talking to Billie Jean King. We'll see you tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 